On today's show, last offseason, he was the big splash. He was the one that blew up the baseball internet. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Xander Bogart signing a contract for your San Diego Padres, but he didn't blow up his first season, let me tell you, at least not in the good way. We're going to be talking about that, what went wrong, and whether or not he can bounce back for this 2024 season, and frankly, a little bit of hypocrisy with the way that people compare him to other shortstops. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Padres, your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Padres Podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, February 16th. As always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. My personal account, I tend to tweet about whatever I want, including basketball, including football, including, dare I say, movies and entertainment. But if you only want Padres stuff, go Locked On Padres. And then also, go check out Locked On Padres on YouTube to see my sick Padres 1969 jacket. Let me tell you, I mean, oh, I mean, just look at this thing. Look at this thing. It's amazing. And you can also say hi to Bobblehead Tatis and Pac-Man. So go check that out, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Today's episode, guys, is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $150 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And getting started with today's episode, guys, look, here's the thing. This was, You knew this was coming. We got to talk about Xander Bogarts because, in my opinion, and we did the X Factors episode recently, um, and one of the things that we did about X Factors was just these kind of under-the-radar players, or at least somewhat under-the-radar players, and aspects of the Padres that I don't think are talked about as much and could make a big difference. For example, last year, my big X Factor was Luis Campizano. Boom, I was right. year before that, it was Hassan Kim. Boom, I was right. This past year, it was a bunch of them. I didn't necessarily have one, so you guys can go check out that episode, but... A big thing for this next season is going to be Xander Bogarts. Um, And it's not because necessarily, like, the entire team is placed on him. That's why they have a huge budget, and that's why they have guys like Tatis, Machado, and Musgrove, and etc. So it's not all on him, but there's a huge importance placed on this season for Xander Bogarts. Because the first season was, frankly, not, not a disaster. It certainly wasn't. And we're going to get into why I think that Xander Bogarts, another part of this episode that I want to get into, is in my opinion, a little bit of an overhated um, season. Not necessarily by Padres fans, because I think Padres fans watched this and said, well, this guy never came through for us. That's true. But in terms of by other people who didn't watch the games and didn't see the lack of scoring in big situations, I think that it's a little bit weird how how down everyone is on this. And perhaps that's a unintentional... I know I sound tinfoil hatty right now, but unintentionally people, you know, subconsciously like still being amazed that the Padres could have spent this money to begin with. And as a result, having this unconscious bias towards them and being like, well, of course the team that had no money is going to pay for some dumb move they made. Meanwhile, they don't care about the other teams that make big signings that are a disaster all the time, right? So that's my that's my thing. I feel like people really want to clown the Padres because of the fact that they were the team that don't have a lot of money compared to others and have this financial trouble. So that's just me. Maybe I'm a little tinfoil hatty. Let me know in the comments what you think. Um, but let's start. 
ladies and gentlemen. Last season with the Padres, Xander Bogarts wasn't a disaster, but he certainly wasn't very good. He finished with a 4.4 F war, though, despite all the bad things. And his slash line wasn't horrendous. He hit 285 with a 350 on base, 440 slugging, 120 WRC+. That's pretty good. In fact, that is actually on point with what I had projected before the season started. I was like, yeah, 120 WRC plus guy, I think. I think he could play the big thing for him, I thought, was going to be defense. And defense last year, he was actually pretty okay. In um, 2023, he had minus four defensive run save, which isn't great, but not awful, because it's not the tell whole story. But outs above average, he was three, which placed him in the 81st percentile among all position players. He was a good defender, and I think that that was the thing I was personally wondering about the most. Because in the past, this guy has had a negative 10 outs above average, he's had negative 16, negative four, negative nine, negative three. He's been a poor defender before. And then, before he signed with the Padres, he had a good season with the Red Sox, five outs above average, and then he came over to the Padres, and he's solid. He's not going to make the amazing plays Hassan Kim makes, but he's not making all these errors or having moments where you're like, wow, this guy is just an empty, you know, he's a turnstile on defense, right? I know that that is a term better used when talking about basketball, because people actually, like, literally move past you versus a ball here, but you get my point. Um, So he was okay in that respect. The problem here was, well... A whole lot of everything else. And I think that the first thing for this, I think the first thing you have to go to with Xander Bogarts, in my opinion, for his uh, poor first season uh, for the Padres, or at least disappointing season, I think is the way to put it, um, is his really poor performance with runners in scoring position and um, in high leverage situations. In regular bases empty last year, Xander Bogarts had a 125 WRC+. With men on base, he had a 115 WRC+. But with men in scoring position, he had an 85 WRC+. And that, frankly, was the story of the entire San Diego Padres last year. Guys just could not drive anybody in. And again, this guy didn't have a lot of RBIs. Last year, and RBIs isn't a great stat for judging how good a player was, but even still, he only had 58 RBIs last year. That's not great. You know what I mean? And in fact, just to give you a comparison of how poor he was at driving runs in, Gary Sanchez, in so many less games, had 47 RBIs. In 75 games, uh, Gary Sanchez had 47 RBIs, while in 155, Xander Bogarts had 58. That's how bad he was there. And if you go even further, if you don't want to look at men in scoring position, if you feel like that stat is is a little bit, you know, not necessarily um, as does not a tell-all stat. Well, in high leverage situations, if you want to go by that, it was even worse for Xander Bogarts last year. Hitting, let's see here. Let me see if I can pull that up real quick. Hitting 159 in high leverage situations. And if you want to go by the advanced stats that I was going by before, then that would give him a, a 23 WRC+, plus, ladies and gentlemen. Compared to low leverage situations, he had 135, medium leverage 120, high leverage 20. Three. That was among the worst in every every player in Major League Baseball. So a big thing for this was the fact that he didn't drive anybody in. And that, to me, you know, we could talk about it a little bit later. Isn't necessary that's a telltale thing about his overall skills. It's just like for some reason he just couldn't drive runs in. And it was really frustrating because this is a guy who's got two World Series rings. He's been huge for the Red Sox. That's why Red Sox fans were upset when he left. He was really good. However, that's not it. It's not just runners in scoring position or high leverage situations. Um, his hard hit rate and barrel rate went down significantly last year. In fact, he was in the 27th percentile last year in barrel rate, 18th percentile in hard hit rate. Now, don't get me wrong, Xander Borgarts isn't Corey Seager. He's never been that guy who's been this 
hard hit rate machine. He's not Tatis when Tatis was playing short. But even still, year before, hard hit rate 47th percentile, barrel rate 37th percentile. Year before that, even worse in terms of the difference. Hard hit rate was in the 65th percentile, barrel rate in the 63rd percentile. So the hard hit hitting the crap, the snot out of that baseball went down. And considering that there, that's been a little bit of a trend, there is reason for concern there. Now, I would counter by saying that he's never been a super hard hit rate guy, but even still, that is a big thing. And then the last piece of evidence is the fact that his ground ball rate was very disturbing uh, last year. If you go by baseball spot, it was 49.8%, and the year before that, it was 46.6%, year before that, 40%. So the ground ball rate has gone up, and if you go by fan graphs, it's different, by the way. So I don't totally know why that is the case here. Um, but in fan graphs, if you go by fan graphs, hold on, if I can just find that real quick. Where's batted balls? Let me see if I can find this real quick. Um, that Xander Bogarts, in terms of batted ball last year, his ground ball rate was at 50.4% if you go by fan graphs. That's really high. Uh, very, very high. And his line drive percentage went down too. 16.7% compared to 217 the year before. So those are all the bad things. It was high leverage situations. It's the hard hit rate and barrel rates going down significantly. And it is the ground ball rate. Th those are all genuinely bad things. And it was frustrating to watch him all year. He started on fire for the Padres. Like, genuinely started on fire. Like, he was the best player on the team for about, like, two, three weeks. Right? He was awesome. In March and April, he hit 308 to start the season, which was awesome. Like, it was really fun. 154 WRC+. plus. Then he hit a really bad stretch. 59 WRC+, plus in May. 97 in June. Redeemed himself a little bit in July with 116, but then went back to 80 in August. So, he... It was, it was rough. It was really rough. And one of the things that you can trace it back to, however, is that he was hurt, ladies and gentlemen. And that, my friends, is where we're going to segue into why I think that Xander Bogarts could absolutely still bounce back this next season. I still think he has hope. I know we got a little numbery, jargony, blah, blah, blah in that first you know, segment, but even still, I think that what we're going to talk about upcoming is not just numbers, but also just in general sports knowledge and me personally, my experience watching baseball and not wanting to give up on this guy, even though it was a pretty annoying first year, albeit a little bit overhated, in my opinion. We're going to get more into that, guys, in just a second. But before we do that, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk to you about... A new sponsor. Ho, ho, ho. That's right. You guys haven't heard of them before. And let me tell you, you ever scared about backing yourself up? I'm not, I'm not saying like back up like in the literal sense. I'm saying like backing up data, your iPhone storage, your contact information, your notes, your just files, videos, photos, whatever it is, documents, whatever it is. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Backblaze. They got you covered up because they're not just backing up. They're backing it up with a blaze of glory. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, unlimited cloud backup for Macs, PCs, and businesses for just $99 a year. Easily protect business data through a centrally managed admin. Protect all the data on your machines automatically. Easy to deploy across multiple workstations with various deployment options. Add-on enterprise control includes granular access permissions, advanced single sign-on, group management controls, and compliance support. They also offer restore options, you know, making the recovery a lot better in the event of, say, you know, some f frameware or some sort of virus or whatever that makes you lose everything. They can make it even faster and done it even better for you. You can access your backed up data from anywhere in the world using their web app or your iOS or Android app. So don't worry, you can do that wherever. That's really cool. It's like you just constantly have 
a, a chauffeur, a chauffeur, just taking your data and all your documents around with you no matter where you are, and you can access it wherever. And that's what Backblaze does, including for your businesses, everything. So they are here for year, uh, for you. Uh, over 55 million, or wow, I'm sorry, oh, not million, billion files have been restored for their customers. Visit backblaze.com slash locked on MLB so they know where you came from and continue to support my show, obviously, duh. But it's been recommended by the New York Times, Inc., Magazine, Macworld, PC World, LifeWire, Wired, Tom's Guide, 9to5Mac, and more. That's right, you've definitely at least heard of one of those. They, they know what they're talking about, ladies and gentlemen. Receive a fully featured, no-risk free trial at backblaze.com slash MLB. Go there, play with it, start protecting yourself from potentially bad times. Backblaze, everybody. Start today. And just like that, ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the Lockdown Padres podcast. We just talked about something uplifting, something that's going to get you back on your feet if you lose your data. Now let's talk about something uplifting when it comes to Xander Bogarts. All the reasons that I think there are still signs of hope for Xander Bogarts. And I think that the number one thing, the number one thing, the number one thing is his pedigree. This is Xander Bogarts we're talking about here. Over the past few years, he has been one of the best shortstops in baseball. In fact, if you go by F4, since 2020, he is third among all qualified shortstops in Major League Baseball with only Trey Turner, Francisco Lindor, and Dansby Swanson ahead of him. I'm sorry, so he's fourth. I meant he's third. There's only three people ahead of him. Dansby Swanson, Francisco Lindor, and Trey Turner. Now, I'll tell you one thing. I'll definitely take um, Lindor over uh, Xander Bogarts, but Dansby Swanson is, is a defensive guy. Like, that's the big thing with him. And by the way, that's huge. Don't get me wrong. But, like, as a hitter... Xander Bogarts, I think, has a lot more to offer, frankly. Um, although it's 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 close. Danby Swanson's a good player. I, I like Danby Swanson. I think he's underrated. But um, that's how good he is. And if you go even further, he's 11th among all position players. Or, I'm sorry, 12th among all position players with only 11 guys ahead of him, including some of the best players in the league, like your Acunas, like your Aaron Judges, like your Mike Trouts, like your Mookie Betts, who's number one since 2020 in F4. So this is still a superstar caliber player. And it's important to note that that wasn't too long ago. You know what I mean? Like I said, 2022, 2023, those are the F4 totals. And if you want to go previous years, he's still in like the top five of shortstops um, total. And he's still in the top like 20 or so among position players since like 2018, right? So he's still really, really up there. Going even further, ladies and gentlemen, he had an injury. And we alluded to that in the first segment. Now, I think that... Um, What's it called? I think that this is something that has been with him for a while um, from people I've talked to uh, and from what I've read that Xander Bogarts did have this issue in Boston as well, but he was able to play through it. However, there was an incident this past season when Xander Bogarts was hit on his wrist, and it was specifically the one that is giving, is giving him trouble. And then coincidentally, after that is when you saw all those marks that I told you. Right? That's where you saw all of the issues. He looked really bad on the plate. There was actually times where I almost felt like I saw him grimace. I don't have any video evidence of that or anything like that, but it almost looked like he was like, it was like, he didn't like swinging the bat was like a pain. And it's probably because of the wrist injury. So to me, I don't want to fully buy into that those months when Xander Bogarts was just atrocious, like I mentioned, a 59 WRC plus in May, 97 in June, that those months had that the injury had nothing to do with it especially when he got hit by the baseball on his wrist 
So to me, that that's worth pointing out. And it's like, okay, I know that people are like, well, he dealt with this in Boston, but he didn't necessarily get hit on the wrist with a ball, guys. I actually think that Xander Bogarts probably could have used an IL stint last year, and because of the Padres' lack of depth, because they trade everybody for Soto, because they didn't have any prospects at the ready, then that's why you had this situation where I think he still kept playing shortstop every day. But I think he actually should have been on the IL. So that's another thing, is the injury, and I think that's a big part of this. A, a little bit of a smaller thing, had a little bit of a low BABIP last year, 319 compared to his career average here, let me see, where the heck is it, of 334, so that's slightly lower, and I think that matters a tiny bit, just a tiny bit, for a guy who is like a big speed guy, Xander Bogarts is very fast, he's amongst some of the fastest players um, in the sport, um, not like the fastest, by the way, let me be very, very clear, he's not the fastest, but he, he can certainly get there through speed, you know what I mean, that's a big thing of him, he's a well-rounded athlete and whatnot. Um, so that's a big thing. However, to counter that really quickly, the expected weighted on base versus weighted on base is significant. Um, he had a weighted on base of 343 last year, expected weighted on base of 318. So if I'm, I'm going to talk about how Cody Bellinger got a little bit lucky last year and how you know Tatis got unlucky last year with using these stats, then you have to bring it up for Bogarts in fairness. But that's only a small thing. The next point, aside from the pedigree, I think the second and the pedigree and the injury is this. He went to a new team and a new league. Why is no one talking about this? I almost knocked over Pac-Man. On top of changing teams, he also changed from the American League to the National League. And I would point to some players that struggled in their first seasons, um, you know, joining a new team. Heck, I remember when Justin Upton struggled when he ran from the National League to the American League. I remember that. He went from the Padres back, I believe, to it was first the Tigers, if I'm not mistaken. Then it was to the Angels. I forgot, but Justin Upton's a good example. If you want to look at just in general players, forget what league you know, forget what league they changed. But Marcus Simeon, his first year with the Rangers was pretty meh for a lot of it, and he had just come off the first year of this new big contract that he signed, and he struggled. Perhaps it was living up to expectations. And then the greatest example is the guy that I cited as one of the only shortstops that has been better than Xander Bogarts over these last few years, and that's Francisco Lindor, who not only went from playing in Cleveland his whole career in the American League, but went to the National League Mets. So that's an entire new league of teams he hadn't had experience playing against, an entire crop of pitchers he wasn't used to facing against, and he struggled that first year. And what do all those guys that I've mentioned had in common? They bounced back, especially in the case of Lindor and Simeon. Francisco Lindor is arguably a top five player in baseball. I don't think that Xander Bogarts necessarily has that upside to be a consistent force there, especially because Lindor's defense is like Hall of Fame caliber. But even still, that's just one area, right? And don't get me wrong, I know that there are some other players who are bad that people are concerned about, like Carlos Correa. Now, Carlos Correa signed with the Twins, and the difference with him is, yes, he didn't change leagues, he only changed the team, and it was the first year of a big contract, but Correa seems very heavily injury-related. Like, this is a guy who signed a big contract with the Giants and the Mets, and they both looked at those medicals and said no. So at least Correa's bad season is substantiated by, like, an actual sign, like, there might be injury problems, especially if two teams passed on him after checking his medicals, right? So that's one thing. Overall, and now to get into the, the hypocrisy of it all, because I alluded to this at the beginning of the podcast, I do not understand why everyone is seemingly so much more out on Xander Bogarts versus Trey Turner. I have seen it. The website I contribute to, Just Baseball, still has on their top 10 shortstops, Trey Turner at number three. I'm not saying Trey Turner can't be the third best, but I find there to be a little bit of a hypocrisy in being so down on Xander Bogarts' first season versus Trey Turner's first season. 
And there's a bunch of different reasons for that. Like, and they put, by the way, they put Xander Bogarts at seven. Just baseball. We're a good, good website. They know what they're doing. But even still, like, okay, you want to put him seven, but why is Trey Turner still all the way up there? Now, in terms of those aforementioned shortstops that have been better, Trey Turner is number one in shortstop F4 since 2020. Now, would I rather have him over everybody else? I don't know. That's a debate. But he actually had a much worse season than Alexander Bogarts last year, and it feels like because he had that one month, and it went viral because it was funny that he started doing better specifically after Phillies fans gave him a standing ovation. He has that one month, and he had that one really cool home run in the World Baseball Classic being titled, you know, Mr. American Hero and all that American exceptionalism stuff that people like to do. Um, but in terms of everything else... Xander Bogarts was better than Trey Turner. Trey Turner had a 3.8 F4 last year. Xander Bogarts, despite all the injuries, the new league, changing from the American League to the National League, and all that stuff, he still had a 4.4 F4. He was much higher, not much higher, but he was better than Trey Turner. Even further, ladies and gentlemen, oh, well, it's because, you know, one contract was so much more irresponsible. Trey Turner's also getting paid until his age 41 season, and he's getting paid more per year. Than Xander Bogarts is. So that that reasoning is weird to use that for why people are harder on Bogarts. And also, again, Trey Turner, great second half. I know, I understand. If you look at his numbers, let's bring this up real quick. In the first half last year, he had an 84 WRC plus. That's how bad he was. Then a 140 in the second half. So everyone's saying, well, that's the real him. Well, then why can't we say that for Xander Bogarts? Xander Bogarts last year in the first half, he had a 107 WRC+, and then a 136 in the second half. So so what's going on here? So because Trey Turner was just so much better than his first half, he gets more credit? What's, what's, I don't understand the, the, the thinking here. And also, even further to the point about this, like I said, Trey didn't even change leagues. You don't have that excuse. Also, the defense. Trey Turner was not good defensively. I already mentioned Xander Bogarts' defensive numbers. Trey Turner was atrocious at shortstop last year, if you go by defensive runs saved, and if you go by outs above average. He was, hold on, I don't have a, I almost looked at Xander Bogarts' numbers. Um, he had negative, let's see here. Let's see if I can pull this up. Sorry, guys. I was looking at Bogarts' numbers. It can be hard to look at your screens all the time. You know what I mean? When you when you have like seven fan graphs pages open. I should have written it down, but that's my bad. Anyway, moving on. Um, negative 12 defensive runs saved last year for Xander Bogarts, and negative four outs above average. He graded as one of the worst defenders in baseball. Not the worst. I think that, um, I think the worst was, might have been jerks at Profar, but in terms of outs above average, he's in the 13th percentile. His arm strength isn't there. Oh, well, well what about Xander Bogarts' arm strength? Trey Turner doesn't have that either. So I'm, I'm being mean to Trey Turner because he's my nemesis, because he reportedly turned down an offer from the Padres. It seems like the only reason that people are like much more confident that Trey Turner is better is because of the hard hit rate. Um, Xander Bogarts' hard hit rate went down, and also, Trey Turner doesn't have nearly the same really high ground ball rate. Now, I would counter that by saying, well, Xander Bogarts' some of his best years have still been when he had a high um, ground ball rate. You know what I mean? Like, he's still been a high ground ball rate before, so I don't think that that's totally fair. But even still, those two pieces of evidence, but then we're going to ignore the evidence in favor of Bogarts, which is injury, moving from AL to NL, and then also... Um, what's it called? His pedigree as well. So I, I just don't, again, I don't understand it. I don't understand why everyone is so much more down on Bogarts compared to Trey Turner. I know the ground ball rate is scary. I know the weighted on base stuff is scary because the difference between the two was a lot. But I think it's still worth bringing up 
injuries, his pedigree, the fact that he plays much better defense, and the fact that he had the um, the changing leagues and the, and the injury. I forgot what I... Sorry, I'm repeating my thoughts a little bit. But again, not to kill Trey Turner too much, but that's just how I feel. But ladies and gentlemen, um, something that I'm going to always hammer down, no matter what. I'm going to keep repeating my points on these bad boys all the time. I don't care if you get sick of them. That's FanDuel, ladies and gentlemen. And because football is done, it's all about the hoops action. And FanDuel has you covered. March Madness is coming up, but you can also bet on NBA things. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 buckaroos if your team wins. Just like that. You want to bet on the T-Wolves and that dynamite defense? Is that how people describe defense? It's like dynamite offense because it's explosive. So defense would be like that stone wall defense, I guess, would be the correct um, uh, descriptor. Uh, go check that out, guys. They have quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and much, much more. Heck, you can even bet the over on Wembenyama blocks. That apparently seems to be a winning formula for people. If you just want to see this 19-year-old who is like... A freak of nature. It's unbelievable, guys. But go check that out. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Mm-mm-mm. Folks, we are back. We are winding down on today's episode of the show in which I am a Trey Turner hater, ladies and gentlemen. It feels great. Let me tell you. I love it. I love it. Um, To continue on, just one more time, I want to reiterate... Like, I find Trey Turner to be a great player. I just think it's weird that everyone's jumping on board of the hate Xander Bogarts thing. And I think it's weird that because Trey Turner got hot at the right time, as opposed to being hot in general, that he's being forgiven. And may I remind you, oh, well, Trey Turner got hot when it mattered. It's like, yeah, well, that's team context. You know what I mean? And I don't understand. I, Not to get on my soapbox too much. Guys, I'm still waiting for people to figure out that team sports are team sports. I don't know when we're, like, the caps might melt. AI might have taken over everything by then. But I'm still waiting for people to figure out that it's a team sport. You know what I mean? In football, when I see a quarterback give, you know, score 35 points for his team, but the team loses 38 to 35, why is your reaction to that, wow, the quarterback lost? Why isn't your reaction, wow, the defense didn't help out? It's a lot of points to put up. And in this case, it's like, well, if the Padres were in it and the rest of the team had also done better, then Xander Bogarts, when he had his hot stretch, like I mentioned, the 137 WRC plus in the second half, then that would have been talked about a lot more. You know what I'm saying? So that's, again, that's what I don't understand is that because Trey Turner had, was on a better team, it seems like people are more excited about that. And don't get me wrong. Again, Trey Turner had other things that were better. Like I said, the hard hit rate, the ground ball rate wasn't nearly as high. And I did forget to mention, um, in high leverage situations, he wasn't quite as bad, although he was also similarly bad. I thought he was better, but 75 WRC plus um, compared to the 23 that Xander Bogarts had. So don't get me wrong, but the, the categories were still bad in the ones that he was bad. Anyway, I'm reiterating this too much. I don't really want to be, make this to become the Trey Turner haterade. In terms of his contract going forward, it is so huge for a lot of the reasons that we have already talked about and a lot of the reasons that you, the listeners and viewers, already know. You know, 25 million owed every year until his age 41 season. Same thing for Trey, but let's not talk about him. Trey's owed 27 million. Um, now, here's the thing. I am on the record personally saying that all I wanted the Padres to do last season was extend Juan Soto and sign someone like Michael Conforto, 
was I wrong about one of those things? Yeah, potentially. Michael Conforto was not very good last year. I still think he could turn it around this year. I do. Uh, maybe I'm a I'm a fool. Maybe I need to be set to like an intervention for believing in players that no one believes in anymore. Victor Robles is my number one of those, by the way. I still believe in the guy. I can't help it. I don't know why. I thought he was going to be so good. Um, everyone has players like that, I think. Um, I think that the Xander Bogarts contract to me isn't a problem in a vacuum. And I've said this about basically every deal the Padres have made. The problem is that you've, because you extended Manny, Darvish, Musgrove, Tatis, Suarez even, Cronenworth, because you've handed out so much money, it cripples your flexibility uh, going forward. And it also raises the question of, well, if you had Hassan Kim, why were you so bullish on signing another shortstop to a long-term deal? Uh, Especially, again, shortstop, to a long-term deal that puts them in the later age. Like, this is a position where, in my opinion, that the athleticism, the speed, the strength, being able to move around that infield all the time, that that is a lot more conducive to age than other positions, at least in my opinion. No, don't get me wrong. Every position you're moving around. But it's different than, say, in my opinion, a place like first base. Catcher, maybe. Um, Maybe third base. I just think it's a little bit different in terms of the age thing and how much that can hurt a player going forward. So we want to hate Prowler for this? Absolutely. I just don't want to hate Bogarts' season. But in terms of what he's getting paid, yeah, it was really rough. But again, a lot of what was the problem with his season was the fact that he didn't drive anybody in. And if that regresses to the median, where he's just a, I don't know, what he, what, what Trey Turner was last year, in total, like a 98 WRC plus guy in um, high leverage situations, all of a sudden, that he might sneak into being like a low five um, high four wins player. You know what I mean? Like, that might have been his actual season. Then we're left with this isn't even a contest between which one of them was better, at least in my opinion. And then if he's good with runners in scoring position, then we're a lot better. Sandy Borgarts is still a player that can hit a whole lot of doubles. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is one of the league leaders in doubles, like, every single year, even, including last year, including last year. So he can still drive guys in. He can still have a decent slugging percentage, even if he's not going to be the best among major league hitters. But the downside, if he's already, let's say all of the reasons I just gave up, that they're for ill, and the ground ball rate, and the hard hit and barrel, that he screwed, and that this is a problem, and that the fact that he started the showing the client signs of decline already is going to really hurt the Padres going forward. Because $25 million every year until his age 41. I talk about Bogarts, or Cronenworth being the worst decision Prowler's ever made. I still think Cronenworth's up there, and I still think you can argue He's the worst because there was literally no reason to do it. At least with Xander Bogarts, you give this guy a contract because you're like, well, he's among the best players in baseball. And yeah, it's going to sting later, but we know he's among one of the best players in baseball. Jay Cronenworth, at the time you extended him, was going down every year, and then you asked him to play first. So that's the problem. I think that the idea also of changing Xander Bogarts' position is dumb. I think moving him to first base, by the way, he's good at shortstop. I just talked about Bogarts' defense compared to other players, and especially Trey Turner, that he's quite solid over there. Don't get me wrong, I think Hassan Kim is the true best defensive shortstop on the team, but he's also really got a second base. So why would you move him? You know what I'm saying? Unless you get a position, a player at another position, it doesn't make any sense to me. And also, I feel like if you put Bogarts at first base, then we have the same sort of situation that we have with Jay Cronenworth, where you're having a guy there that isn't among, that his offense doesn't produce enough to be viable for first base because that's the whole thing about Bogarts. He's going he's gonna to get you a lot more defensively 
in terms of you know overall wins above replacement. Same thing for Jay Cronenworth. That's why we want to move him back to second because he's a good defender. So you get more value out of him there as opposed to say, you know, I don't know, pretend Jorge Soler for a second uh, on the Marlins or now on the Giants, by the way, um, was a really bad first baseman. It's not the same. The fielding doesn't impact you as much. You know what I'm saying? So if you put Soler, it's like, well, he's good. He's hitting a whole lot of home runs. So that's just an example. You're not losing as much. You are losing some pretty solid defense if you move Xander Bogarts first. So I think that idea is ridiculous, and I think it gets you in the same situation where we're like, wait, we're not getting as much value with him playing first. It's like, yeah, that's what happened with Cronenworth. Come on. Um, however, I will concede if his position change were in any way an effort to keep him healthy, that I might understand, but that's down the line. He's not old enough yet, in my opinion, for us to be talking about how to keep him healthy uh, and keep his his overall health there for the remainder of the contract. He's 31. It's the second year of his contract. You know what I mean? He's not he's not an old man just yet. So I would still wait on that. Um, again, I still think this could lead to the same position as Cronenworth, but alas, what, what can I say? So don't get me wrong. I do think the Bogarts contract, looking back, it is a little rough because I just think that this team clearly wasn't ready yet. I think... Preller and management thought the team was ready to make the leap, and they didn't last year. Now, I think that they got unbelievably just unlucky. I, I really do. I think that last year's Padres team was, uh, yes, it was part to do with depth. The fact that a lot of guys that were struggling, you couldn't just give them the rest for a few days or take them out of the lineup or lower them in the lineup, whatever, because you didn't have any other guys to replace them. Maybe that was Melvin. Could argue it was Melvin. But my thing is not having guys ready to perform and make up and say, give those other guys a rest, bring in some new fresh eyes, that might have hurt the team, yes. But in terms of everything else, I still think that the talent on this team is great. I really, really do. And I know that it's not the same. I know that other teams have more. I know that a lot of the competition within our own division is a lot more. We don't have to talk about the Dodgers today, but I get it. That being said, I still think this is a good team. Um, And I still think that that contract in a vacuum is not nearly as bad. It's just that it looks bad when you consider this is a team that traded everything for Soto and they didn't get him extended. This is a team that also decided to extend Manny Machado and they already extended Tatis and all these other positions and they have such high payroll and that they're not as rich and as have as much of a, um, a, um, what's the word, like a, like a basement, what's a high floor, a, a, a safety cushion. Um, to spend as much as some other organizations with a lot more money. That does not mean I don't think the Padres can spend. It means that they don't have the same safety net to be able to spend a little bit irresponsibly and have to pay back. Again, I think they'll be fine. I really think the loan thing is over overstated. Maybe time will tell. Maybe I'm wrong, and they're going to go back to the Stone Ages soon. But that's just me. Um, but again, that's why this is such a huge year for Santa Bogarts. He needs to bounce back. And again, I just want to repeat, I don't understand... Why no one seems to care whatsoever that Trey Turner was a mess in the playoffs or for most of last year. And then they ignore that Xander Bogarts was a lot better towards the end of last year, too. So that's my thing. Um, I would not give up in this guy because if no one's giving up on Trey Turner, first year of a long-term deal for a shortstop, then I'm not giving up on Xander Bogarts. And I think that the fact that he had to change leagues does matter. I really do. I think the fact that it was the first year of the contract does matter. I think the fact that he's still Xander Bogarts and he has an amazing pedigree does matter. I think the wrist injury does matter. I think all this stuff matters and we shouldn't give up yet. I'm not as confident. The most confident thing I'm for me this year in terms of bounce back is Tatis. I think everyone's very confident about that. 
I think I'm confident that if Musk grows healthy, he's going to be awesome. I think I'm confident that, um, what's his face? Um, who's the other one that I was thinking? Uh, that Jay Cronenworth, if he moves to second, I think could be really, really good for this team. I'm not 100% certain on Xander Bogarts bouncing back next year, but for all the reasons I've outlined today, the things I've discussed, even if a little bit poorly on my part, my apologies, I think that he could be good. And he can be still among one of the best players in baseball and a clutch guy that gives a lot of people at Petco a lot of fun memories to go back to and be excited and be thrilled to watch a guy with a winning resume and a nice career have some moments here in San Diego. But what do I know? I'm just an idiot with an internet connection. And ladies and gentlemen, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. Next episode, don't know fully what we're going to be doing yet uh, for the rest of next week, but for sure, Monday, some news and notes. We're going to be talking about some recent quotes. We're going to be talking about even, like, articles. I saw someone call Xander Bogarts the worst contract, blah, 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 blah. We'll, we'll talk about that. We're going to be talking about the pe- the fact that apparently the team wants to try and re-sign Hassan Kim. We're going to be talking about that as well. All sorts of news and notes on Monday, and then... Going to be talking a little bit more about some other things like the lineup, like the overall top 10 players on the Padres right now, like the expected free agent class for next season and how that impacts their decisions now. All sorts of stuff, guys. So so don't touch that dial. Keep the tune to Lockdown Padres Radio, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.